reading from the book of Genesis. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters, and let us separate the waters from the waters. So God made the dome and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome. And it was so. God called the dome sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth. And the waters that were gathered together, he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with the seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind, and the trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years and let them be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. God set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves of every kind, with which the waters swarm, and every winged bird of every kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters of the sea, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things and wild animals of the earth of every kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind and the cattle of every kind and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing <clears throat> that creeps upon the earth. 
So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it because on it, God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. The word of the Lord. Today's canticle is Canticle 13, Song of Praise. On page 90, the prayer book, nine zero, zero, and we'll read responsively at the asterisk. Glory to you, Lord God of our fathers. You are worthy of praise. Glory to you. Glory to you, <clears throat> you. of your holy name. We will praise you and highly exalt you forever. Glory to you. On the throne of your majesty, glory to you. We will praise you and highly exalt you forever. In the high vault of heaven, glory to you. We will praise you and highly exalt you forever. from the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians. Finally, brothers and sisters, farewell. Put things in order. Listen to my appeal. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of, of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. <clears throat> the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. On Trinity Sunday, we celebrate our belief that God, who is one, is also three. There are three persons of the Trinity. The Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. But we don't believe in three gods. There's still only one God. And it's a crucial part of our faith. Our belief that God is three and one is one of the most distinctive aspects of Christianity. It's also one of the most difficult to try and understand. So how do we explain the Trinity? What do we mean when we say that God is three persons and one God? And what is the Trinity like? For just a moment, I want you to imagine being in your favorite place outdoors. Maybe it's by a stream or a river, the water gently flowing by, or it's at the ocean where the water's coming to the shore in waves. Maybe you're picturing a place in the mountains where you can see everything for miles all around, or in a forest where the trees create cozy and small spaces. It might be some place you go all of the time, I know I love to run down by the Jones Falls here or over at the Herring Run. It might be a place you've only visited once but that has stayed with you ever since. Wherever it is, I want you to picture yourself there right now. The sun shining in the sky, everything brightly lit up all around you, feeling the warmth in your body. Just soak that moment up for a bit. Allow yourself to be there to experience that place to feel what's happening inside yourself. The Trinity is not at all like that. But here's the thing. The Trinity is not actually like anything. It is a holy mystery something that we acknowledge that we believe despite the fact that we cannot understand it. 
Something that reminds us that the God who loves us is also a God who is far beyond our comprehension. We cannot accurately compare the Trinity to anything else that we know. The whole point is that God is fundamentally other than what we know, more than what we can imagine, beyond what we can understand. There is nothing like the Trinity. And, much like the favorite places that we just imagined, our ability to know everything about God is not what makes God great. You can appreciate the sound of the ocean, the feel of the river water going over your feet, the view from a mountain peak on a clear day. You can do all of that without knowing how or why these things exist and move the way that they do. You might be able to explain some of it, why there are ocean tides, where the river flows from, how the mountain came to be. But if you try and reduce it down to what you can understand, you're going to miss out on what makes that place great. It's more than the sum of its parts. It is all of those things coming together. It's all the interactions that happen between the sun and the earth, the sky and the water, and all of the creatures who are there in that ecosystem. Sometimes the appropriate response isn't to try to describe and understand. It's just to allow ourselves to experience wonder and amazement. Just sit there and go, wow. And our canticle from this morning captures that sense of wonder well. It comes from the Song of the Three Young Men. It's a book that's not part of our regular canon, but it's considered part of the Apocrypha, material that was usually written after the Hebrew scriptures, and it's considered useful, but not as authoritative as the rest of the Bible. The Song of the Three Young Men adds in additional material to the book of Daniel. We don't include it there because it was probably written by a later author, but it is still helpful to reflect upon. It picks up from the story of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, three youths from Israel who were taken from their homeland after Babylon conquered Israel. They were forced into captivity. They were renamed by their captors as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego by the people who wanted them to assimilate and to become a part of Babylonian culture. But they refused to let Babylon take away what was most important to them, their commitment to God. And despite the cultural pressure to adopt the Babylonian religion, they were unwilling to worship anyone but the God of their ancestors. And for that, they were thrown into a burning hot furnace to be consumed by flames. And this song is what they were said to be singing while they were inside the furnace. Because despite what usually happens to people when they are thrown into fires, the three of them survived and were in fact entirely unharmed. How does that happen? Well, the passage says an angel of the Lord showed up, made the center of the furnace feel like a cool breeze. But honestly, I have no idea how that would work. If you're in the middle of a blazing hot fire, you are going to get burnt. Their response, though, as they are in the middle of this furnace, is not to try to explain it. They praise God for the fact of their salvation. They don't know how it's happening, but they know that it's happening, and they know who is responsible. And so they bless God for all of God's divine works. We only get a short section of the song in today's readings, but if you look through all of it, 
They invite the angels to join them in their song. The sun, the moon, the stars, all of the celestial bodies, the rain, the winds, lightning, clouds, the snow, light and darkness, all of them are called upon to be part of this song of praise. All of the places we talked about before, mountains, rivers, oceans, all of the creatures who live in them, they are all asked to bless the Lord, sing hymns, and lift God high above all others forever. Because they recognize that the creation is filled with things that we cannot fully understand. And that's because the God who created it acts in ways that surprise us and that go further than we can grasp. And all of that comes back to the fact that God is beyond our comprehension. God is the foundation of all being. And so, of course, God is something that we are not able to fully understand. God is Trinity, three and one. And so we can respond not by trying to explain, but with wonder and amazement. Not everything is meant to be understood. Some things are meant simply to be enjoyed. And that's what the Trinity shares in common with whatever favorite place you imagined or with the great mysteries of creation. It's best not to try to break it down and turn it into something that you can explain and control. It's far better to allow it to be God is the parent who loves us eternally. God is the son who became one of us that we might see that love lived out in practice. God is the spirit who is always present to wrap us in that love. And God is all three of these persons while still also being one God. And on this Trinity Sunday, I want to encourage you to simply accept that. There is a God who is more than we can possibly understand, who loves you, who wants you to feel that love without having to know exactly how it all works. It is a gift given to us that we don't need to wrap our minds around. It is given to us that we might receive. And so I invite you now to come to the table and to freely re receive what God, three and one, has given for us. Amen. Amen.